and welcome to our Truly Scrumptious podcast, where we talk food festivals, festival food, foodie friends and friends of the festival. In each episode, we will chat to some of our many friends, our celebrity chefs and bakers, food producers, festival team and other people involved in the festival world. We'll even hear some backstage gossip. It's a huge world. It's a hard-working one and great fun too, although a tad stressful at times. My name is Lottie Duncan, and I'm a food presenter, writer, and eater. We want to bring our food festivals to your door, your ears, your living room, and most definitely your kitchen. So draw up your chair, pour yourself something scrumptious, take the weight off your slingbacks, and join us within the world of food, festivals, and foodie types. We've got another peachy podcast filled to the brim with talent, wit and scrumptious food for you this week. Anne, our brilliant home ec who heads up the backstage kitchen and looks after our chefs and bakers and all their culinary needs. Becky Excel, who has taken the gluten-free and Instagram world by storm. And three brothers who distill a very delicious gin. But first... An old mate who has been cooking on the demonstration stage at Tame Food Festival for over eight years. Back in the day, I used to cook on TV with him. We have an interesting relationship. He's rude and I'm rude back. And we love each other. Ish. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the one, the only, thank God, drum roll please, Dave Mooney. Hello, Dave. <laughs> Hello, Lottie. Hello. The joy of seeing you in my living room. <laughs> You're looking gorgeous. So, Dave, I was, I was just um, chatting, and you and I actually go back quite a long way, because when I first started out on TV, and you first started out on TV, we were both on a, a show together called, can you remember? Kitchen, no. Battle of the Chefs. Battle of the Chefs. Battle of the Chefs. And it was on Granada Breeze. Don't think anyone watched the great, it. The great. There was three people in Wolverhampton, apparently. <laughs> it was a bit like that. Literally, no one watched it. We got away with murder on that show, and um, and the presenter uh, was Simon Rimmer, the now very very famous Simon Rimmer. Uh, it was the second presenter. Who the is the first one? Was called J Jilly. Her mum was on this morning for years. Yeah, we'll call it Julie. So she was the first one. Well, I came on, it was you and Simon. And you used to bully me terribly, didn't you? No. Yes. You used to bring it all on yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> Posh Oxfordshire girl comes up to Manchester to show them how to do it. <laughs> it was, I remember once we went to the break and we came back from the break and you'd put gaffer tape on my mouth. And I did the whole second half of the show with gaffer tape on my mouth, not being able to speak. Yeah? Do you remember that? John, you can, John, you can have that tip for nothing. <laughs> it was very, very funny. I, um, I still I think back to it. I lost on that. You know, do you remember you could do those ridiculous challenges where you could take things off the other chef by throwing an oven glove down? Oh, yes, yeah, One throwing in the gauntlet. I'll, I'll, take, I'll, I'll take Dave's chef, uh, chef trousers, so I had to take my trousers off. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say it was me that took your trousers off, Dave. That's a whole different show. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a very funny thing about that. Do you remember Stephen Saunders? Yes. Who was, I was massive. 
he came on and he was he he wore leather trousers to do live TV. You can imagine the state of that, can't you? <laughs> so <coughs> I said, I threw. He said, I'm going to do this fantastic smoked salmon souffle. So I just threw the glove in straight away and I said eggs. So he lost his eggs and he said, Well, how can I do a souffle without eggs? I said, Not my problem, mate. <laughs> what did he do? So it, it was that. It was that. Crackers that show. It was completely crackers. But I used to do I used to put out red herrings. I remember saying, I'm gonna make this, and you'd say to me, I'm gonna take away that, and I go, haha, I'm not making it now. Huh. Then we just used to gaffer take you off. <laughs> exactly. Oh god. It was fun though. But I mean, you know, what you got away with there, there's no way you could do that on TV nowadays, could you really? I really don't think so, because the thing is, it was totally it was like the Wild West, it was totally unregulated because so few people watched it, and it was Every week you looked. I mean, I, I was getting offers from, you know, places in Bristol, places, all over the place. It was production companies, you know, setting up everywhere, you know. And the, the weirder it was, the worse standard of telly was the better the fee, which always used to strike me as mad. <laughs> you got on a sort of national BBC or ITV and it was absolutely appalling pay. And I'm sure that's changed now as well. Yeah, well, I don't think it's any different, actually, <laughs> on those channels now. It's all pretty much the same, I think. Well, it's really weird because, like, you know, we've got young kids working. We have a bakery now, I'm sure you know. But, um, you know, we have young kids and I sort of say, um, they'll say, oh, Simon, Simon Rimmer's on that. I said, yeah, I've known Simon 30 years. We used to do TV together. And they look at me and go, what is the fat bald book so-and-so going on about when I was on TV and all the rest of it? <laughs> and even my son was very young. I mean, he's 23 now. And he sort of will come across the odd snippet that there is on YouTube because, of course, we were all pre-digital, weren't we? Yeah, so yeah. So a lot of it is archived somewhere because Granada Studios is gone now, so I don't know where the archive is. So somewhere there's a rotting heap of Betamax tapes with you and me on. <laughs> do you know, I think I might have a VHS of it somewhere. I think I might do. I might have to seek well, it out. This shows you how long ago it is. My showreel is VHS. <laughs> Say no more. Say no more, my love. Well, listen, Dave. Um, you. So that was kind of when we first met each other, and then I and you said to me it was eleven years ago. You started doing demonstrations at Tame Food Festival for us. So you drive down. I do. I, when it was still in the square, yeah, um, in the centre of town, and we used to maybe have have the odd beverage on the Friday night. Mm. You didn't, of course, because you were working. She did everyone. She did. <laughs> Um, and we used to generally meet in the thatch, have a rare old night, and we always used to use it as a sort of bit of a base because we'd already done the drive down south to go on a little bit of a break, usually to France. So it, it's always been a very favourite weekend of mine. Even when I was doing sort of a lot of cookery demos up and down the country, I've always enjoyed Tame because I think it's it's got a very very lovely, I won't say family attitude, but a very friendly attitude, which is lovely. Mm. No, it's, it's we're very friendly and kind, aren't we? You just come down, demonstrate. You, we sort of have a bit of a banter on the stage, and then you're, yeah. you're rude, I'm rude, and then we carry on, don't we? That's how we do it. Yes, but it, it's yeah, when I was thinking about this, when when we're talking about doing this podcast, you know, I remember I remember Tom Kerry's just turning up one year to do the food festival. You know, like he was he was on no really, just had the hand and flowers, and he drove up in his very powerful Mercedes did a little demo and drove off and no one even talked to him. And I, I just chatted to him about chefy type things and it was the most bizarre thing ever. And now you look, he's taking over the world. I know, it's incredible. Yeah, he did a couple of years actually for us doing just that. Yeah, just yeah. tips up, did a bit of demming and, and then left. I interviewed him once on the interview stage. That was fun. And of course... That's probably what finished him. 
so when you started out, when you started out chefing, was it one of the first jobs then at, at Le Manoir for you? No, no, no. The, the basic synopsis is my parents have a restaurant um, in Nutsford in Cheshire. And I've always been intri- intrigued with restaurants, how they work, how you get a sack of spuds through the back door and you get dough for potatoes out the front door. It's always the process, the personalities involved. And I've always loved cooking. I mean, look at the size of me, for goodness sake. Of course I love cooking. I've always had them. I used to sell toast when I was about six years old out of my mum's kitchen. <laughs> like, whatever, it was a penny a slice or something. We used to call it hot bread. So I've always been sort of reasonably <laughs> entrepreneurial and always enjoyed working with the public for the most part. I mean, some of them are absolute... Are we allowed to swear? You can swear moderately. Moderately, Dave. They're complete bastards. <laughs> That's moderate. That, okay. So that's it. That's it. That's your one word. <laughs> what complete? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I started working sort of front of house part time. You know, when I was at latter end of school, uh, yeah, latter end of school, fourteen, fifteen time. You know, a couple of nights a week, that sort of thing. And then I also used to do a bit of KPing, a bit of veg prep, that sort of thing. Always in and around. You know, um, my dad was a printer by trade, and my mum had never been involved. And through various family tragedies they, they bought the restaurant so I, that environment and bear in mind at that time there was probably five restaurants in the northwest of england that could claim to be in the good food guide and sort of in the top echelon of british cooking in those days well there was no british cooking it was all french based um we're talking years before the manoir opened we're talking um years before the ritz was sort of you know, the doyen of British food, you know, it was just a sort of very dour place. I used to go, to, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I used to go down to London at least once a month to go to these up-and-coming restaurants. Langham's was the big favourite. That shows you how long ago that was. Um, all sorts of places. Uh, the one down at the back, oh, used to, uh, the begins with C. It was the only place that was open on a Sunday night. and It, it was just phenomenal. It was all black slick inside it's by the same people who just recently left um the Wolsey they the Caprice and this I mean you'd walk in and Joan Collins would be sat there you, you know and all this sort of, it was unbelievable anyway going back we digress then I did a few years um I went to France for to practice my French oral for O level as it was in those days and when I was leaving, the guy who owned a restaurant over there, it was a mutual contact. He'd actually worked for my parents 15 years previously. And he said, do you want to come back in the summer? We're very busy and all the rest of it. And I went and stayed for a couple of years. Absolutely loved it. And in the winter, I'm working a market garden. I picked tomatoes. That's the hardest physical work I've ever done. Um, I lost about four stone in about two months. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, and then I came back, did a couple of years at the Bell, applied to the manoir and, and went to the manoir then and did a couple of years and then went back to the family restaurant for the end of 30 years I suppose then me and my brother had a, a thought well no he, he just did a snidey trick on me and I was out of the business so I then set up a gastropub group and did that for 10 years you've done a lot you've done a huge amount I didn't know you were that old actually Dave you're quite old then really aren't you I'm 60 next year. Are you really? Gosh. Well, I I'm, am, yes. I'm 56 this year. No, but you look older than me. That's oh, the problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're funny. 
I have a very weird philosophy in that I, I don't eat processed food. I eat a lot of food, quite obviously, but I'll only eat, generally eat stuff I've made myself. So my cholesterol is absolutely perfect. It's just just weight, really. Uh, blood pressure is absolutely fine. In fact, they suspected I had a heart attack about 10 years ago. And when they went through, did the thing on your arteries, you know, when they check your arteries and everything, I heard the consultant say, bloody hell, they're absolutely clear. <laughs> so I'm a great believer in you put good stuff in, good things happen. Put bad stuff in, bad stuff happens. Yeah, totally agree with so, you. Yeah, totally agree. I, I feel the same as you, actually, about food in that respect. You know, if you, you if you eat rubbish, you feel rubbish. But if you eat well, you just have more energy, you look better, you know, you're a bit, you've got a glossy coat and a wet nose, you know what it's like. <laughs> you just feel, feel well, much better about things. Look at the incident or non-incident of heart disease around the Mediterranean where they eat generally stuff they've got from the field across the road, olive oil produced locally and wine produced locally. I mean, I drink far too much, but I generally drink delicate white wine, you know, because I'm a delicate creature. <laughs> you so are. Going back to the food festivals um, and the fact you have been coming for about 11 years and, you know, we, we do love having you. And I know a couple of times you've told me that you're retiring and I've just laughed in your face and said, don't be ridiculous, you're coming back next year. And you do. Thank you coming back every year and you're coming back next well, year. Well, Mr. T. Mary, Mary, not you. I've already got you down for next year anyway. Oh, not, not headlining again. Yes, darling. Both days. <laughs> you got me. I felt so bad this year because you arrived on the Saturday and I was having a major, major issue was happening. And you phoned me and you said, hello. And I said, I can't talk to you right now. I'm in the middle of something. And I felt so bad about it because you'd driven all the way down and I just didn't give you enough time so I promise I will next do think, year do you think after all these years I'm not used to your absolute rudeness <laughs> I hope I made it up afterwards anyway talking about food festivals so when you come and and demonstrate with us do you find there's a point of difference because we really help with the support behind the stage and with everybody around there I think what you have that's unique there you have um Firstly, people that really enjoy being there and enjoy the atmosphere of the festival and are prepared to graft as well. And the volunteers at the end of the day. Um, and it's fantastic because sometimes you go to a food festival and they'll say park over there. And then you have to lug all your stuff half a mile over, you know, muddy fields and all the rest of it. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're there to pull people in with your knowledge and your skills. And, you know, I don't. I enjoy it. You know, in fact, to be honest with you, yours is only one of two food fests I do these days. I, I, I genuinely have retired. <laughs> um, I, but I do enjoy Tame. I enjoy the town of Tame as well. And obviously the memories it has from way back. But yeah, you've got, I, I love that term chef wranglers, you know, and it's like, if I get asked once, do I want a coffee, cup of tea, water, anything, I must get asked 50 times. I'd say, I wish I got treated like that at home. I really do. <laughs> Oh, that's lovely. Well, they all do take care. You've got Doddy in the in the green room who takes care of you. Then you've got our home ex support, Anne and her team. That's um, Anne and the team. And and old Doris, she's just lovely. She, Annabelle just gets on with it all and she'll have the odd moan and mumble and something. She'll curse under her breath, but it's always ready and done on time. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and Simon, of course, on the stage as well. He's been going for years. The subtle understated chap who wears dowdy colours. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> the one who doesn't say very much. <laughs> he 
Mm. He always says I'd never give him a chance. He says, I don't know why I've got a microphone for your demo. There's no point. <laughs> oh, bless him. I'm going to interview him soon. Actually, no, I did an interview with him. It's coming out in another episode. Um, but he's he's just what, great. You interviewed him before me? I'm hurt. <laughs> I did him at the event. Do you know, it was so windy at the event. Um, a couple of the interviews I've done, I, wrote, I needed a... A muff, don't say anything, but I needed a muff on my microphone. Just hang on, just, just let me... Let me no, just... I'm not oh, letting no. you get in there. No, no. You were, so, you were so windy at that festival that your muff was overheard. Is yes. that what I, I just heard? No, it wasn't that. I said I needed a muff on my microphone because it was so windy. What do you like about food festivals? What's the best thing about them? Well... I tell you, I've done food festivals like uh, Pub in the Park, you know, Tom Carriage's things, which is, I would say that's probably culinary Glastonbury. You know, that's as good as it gets. I've done Chris Evans's Car Fest, and that is, you know, you're sort of there alongside Texas, Sister Sledge, all these sort of things, you know, and you're in the green room with all these people, you know, and you're sort of, even I'm a bit short for words sometimes. But it's very much... A business-focused event, you know, chefs will be telling you, oh, I've done so many grand today, I need to do so many more, blah, 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 you know. Whereas Tame, there's sort of people there purely because of food and drink and, and enjoyment, you know, and, and, and music, you know, and, and that's it, you know. And it's, it's an old, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, it's a sort of old-fashioned type food festival with the sort of, you know, how a lot of these volunteer-led ones start is they want to promote local food and drink, which is a lovely thing. But sometimes that gets lost, you know, and you'll get the ubiquitous, you know, six olive stalls, you know, 600, uh, what they call fairy, not fairy, what do they call them, those? Cupcakes. Cakes. Brownies, cupcakes. cupcakes, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's it, you know, then you think, hang on, they're from Devon and they're from Northumberland and they're from the Isle of Man and Tame. I feel, I might be totally wrong here, but I feel not many people make long journeys to come to traders I'm talking about now, you know, they're all pretty local and you know and what we love is in tame because obviously we're an old-fashioned bakery at williamson's gotta say that i'm contractually obliged to say it at least six times <laughs> i mean we we sell very traditional we don't sell sourdough or anything like that and there's you've got the wonderful bakeries in tame and they're still independent and you've got the one up at the food fest that always has a double store on their bread display mm. it's just phenomenal Confield. and there's just yeah Confield. and it, it just looks lovely bread i mean obviously because we're going off somewhere we never um we never buy any. But last time, when we came back from France after the last food festival, not only did we rattle like a milk float with the amount of wine we bought, <laughs> but we stopped in Sirencester. Now, I'm sure you know Sirencester. Yes. Sirencester. The dogs don't poo on the streets of Sirencester, do they? It is posher <laughs> than posh. You would be a shab there, I tell you. <laughs> and we went into this bakery that was... Stunning looking, and I mean, a loaf of bread, I think, was about six quid. And we got it home, and it was just tasteless pap. Mm. And it was all style over substance. So I think Tame has that style, and it has substance. You know, and the traders deliver, you know. <coughs> you always get some great food. You know, the pig thing that was next to our... The smells coming off. Was it called Oink? Oink, was, yeah. The, oh, the Essex boys, God. they... They were lovely. That was um, Ben and Poodle, uh, their names. And they were all right, love, do you want, uh, do you want Lottie, do you want some cheesy chips, love? And I was like, yes, please. 
I bury my face in your you. cheesy chips. I know, it's unlike me, isn't it? It's chips, cheese, never. But oh no, they I'm were sure lovely. They're pop fret in your world. <laughs> <laughs> but we handpick all our producers. You know, I take a lot of time choosing them and making sure that they're right. We don't just, and we, and we also do as much as we can to not duplicate too much. So I don't yeah. want to have. I could fill the festival with gin and brownies. Yeah. But I don't because we don't rack. Which is what stack. a lot of festivals do. Yeah, we don't rack and stack. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, and I think that shows. I think, I think that's important. You know, it's 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 know your market. You know, you know, you know Tame really well. You know the demographic of the sort of surrounding thirty miles. Now I'm going to ask you a couple of sort of final questions. What is it, food-wise? Because I was going to ask you one question, but then John just said to me, "Ask him what." you absolutely cannot eat, which you find utterly disgusting? Um, I, I, this is a, a weird one because very, <coughs> very little that I would not try and eat, but I just cannot get along with oysters at all. I really can't. And I always feel that's a terrible thing for a chef to... Well, I'm not that much a chef anymore, but I think it's a terrible thing for a chef to admit to because you're always supposed to, you know, have a dozen oysters every morning, you know, before you have your two Marlborough, your rack of Coke and an espresso. You know, it, it's... I just can't get... I just, I, I, even looking at them. In fact, I was watching... I'm, I'm addicted. Do, do you watch Triple D? Diners, Drives... Oh, Diners, Drivers and Dives on Food Network. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Mayor of Flavortown! <laughs> yes. And, he was doing uh, oyster Rockefellers or the place, and I just thought, no, just no. Well, they're nice though because they're cooked. They're quite good. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing, which is a dreadful admission, because this is so Cheshire middle class, I, I can't abide olives. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's oh. interesting. I love an olive, but it's quite a grown-up <laughs> flavour, Dave, isn't it? Oysters. Well, there and... you are. You've answered yeah. the question, haven't you? Yeah, because they are. You know, they are quite a grown-up bitter. Flavor that you and like an olive, like a an oyster. See, I never used to like oysters, but I do now. I think it's the first time I ever went to Spain with my now ex-wife. I never tasted an olive. I mean, it's obviously 25, 30 years ago, and I saw oh olive tree, and I went and picked one straight off the tree. You know, being the inquisitive foodie type I was, and I ate it, and I think that's just put me off. Yeah, I was going to say because that would be that was not pleasant. No, rock hard and bitter as. Bitter on a bitter day, okay. And then yeah. this is this is the question I do ask everyone. Um, this is what is your Fifty Shades of Food, okay, Dave? This is something which is a little filthy that you like to eat on your own behind closed doors, shut curtains, maybe in the bath because it's a little bit juicy. You might even have to be naked. But what is it? We've Some... discussed this already. <laughs> stuffing with loads of black pepper and butter. Yes! Oh, yes! yes. Paxo! No! No! It's a cheap Aldi one, it's even better! Oh, the Aldi one! No, you've got to, I, I'll go with Paxo. Sorry, do you have someone to go to Aldi for you? You obviously won't go yourself, will you? <laughs> I like going to Aldi. They they do the fake Joe Malone there. I love going to Aldi. When we're judging Great Taste Awards um, in Dorset, there's an Aldi right next door. We're always there in lunchtime and they do the best rosé. In the summer, we go in there and we just well, clear their shelves out. Well, funnily, funnily enough, I've just got just to my right, going out that door, 
six bottles of Aldi Muscadet. It's absolutely superb. And I think it's six eighty a bottle or something. Yeah. Which is it's, quite expensive for Aldi, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I generally have their Pinot Grigio, which is <coughs> a lot cheaper. So and are we... A great everyday wine. God, that sounds so gauche, doesn't it? Everyday wine. <laughs> but so would you have that everyday wine with your with your fake stuffing do you i mean do you pimp up your stuffing a bit maybe put a little bit of extra onion in it and butter no no not so. no. do you know when i had my first pub which is well oh, 26 27 years ago now i used every sunday i used to come in and i used to get 15 18 onions chop them sweat them down add fresh sage add fresh breadcrumbs add uh, turkey uh, chicken stock sorry broil them up thicken it with butter and make it and uh, do you know how many people remember come up to me now and say oh duke of portland dave that stuffing it was unbelievable not bloody one because <laughs> the stuff is better that's so true so i can imagine you now with your curtains drawn on your own watching something on netflix with a bowl of that stuffing and a spoon no no what you have to do you have to cook some fantastic sausages and dip the sausages. It's it's like a northern um, amused bouche. It, and you dip the sausage in. And even better, if it's a pig in blanket. And the other thing that you dip it in, bread sauce. Oh, oh. sir. Or, as they say, matron. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always thought of you as a slightly matronly figure. <laughs> oh, matron. So when you strut around in your high visit the food festival... Yes. I'm sure they dot, They actually do dot the caps to you. Oh, well, I only, I'm the only one with the pink high vis. Everyone else gets yellow ones. That's uh, what you think. <laughs> anyway. You ask John what he does at weekends. <laughs> that and nothing else, Dave. Just the high vis. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you, John. <laughs> oh, bless you. Well, listen, my darling, thank you so much for coming on because it's been great to speak to you and I will see you um in tape and i'll try and get you down for our bradford one at some point as well our bradford on avon festival we um yeah, we haven't had a cook we... it's in wiltshire yeah it's just near bath and that's another it's just near where sorry bath darling not bath <laughs> oh is that that like that big long bath 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 no r in it you flipping idiot <laughs> bath is what you do when you've had too much to drink well, that's true, but I don't say pasta. Pasta, I say pasta. But it's not, it's bath. No, you don't. No, you don't. You say fettuccine. <laughs> I remember coming up to do a Chester Foodies Festival for the weekend, and, and it's when John and I started going out together. So it is a while ago. It's probably about seven, seven years ago. And we met up in the evening with you and Jane. Yeah. And you managed to have make me have the worst hangover of my existence because we were thinking about it john and i we drank cocktails when we got to your restaurant we drank five yeah and we drank drank five bottles of wine and i remember this when you were talking about your muscadet so we had five bottles of wine between four of us and i think well, jane wasn't thinking. drinking as much mm, that sounds on the low side but we'll, we'll go with it <laughs> we went round the corner and had cocktails yeah yeah and what you don't know is we went back to the room and i had a bottle of rum in the hotel room and john fell asleep across completely boom and the next day i had to go and um be um a chatty bright and vivacious host on the stage it nearly well, was the first for everything <laughs>
nightmare. It was a nightmare. But it was a fantastic night. And we had great food. Yeah. Lots of wine. Well, should we come up there and do that then sometime? John and I will come up there. Well, John can come. <laughs> that'd be Seriously, that'd be lovely because we live... 25 minutes from Chester, but with, with direct train, uh, when they're actually running, of course. And it's just a lovely city. So everything's very walkable. <coughs> Obviously, it's very historical, so you'll fit in. Um, it's just it's just a lovely place, I think, now. And I, there's a lot of good independent food in Chester these days. So, yeah, it's yeah. good. Well, and we'll then, do then that. You can, you can roll some bread in the bakery. I'd love to. I could help with your baps, couldn't I? <laughs> Don't, Dave. We've already done one. <laughs> um, what your is it? Your it's sort of like a carry-on film. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Kenneth Williams there. <laughs> my paps and my buns. Yeah, I'll be there. I used to um, I used to make great buns and used to put them my buns on the counter at my cafe every Saturday. In the days when you could put them on the counter. <laughs> Slap them on the counter. <laughs> Anyway, on that note, on that yes, note, a highly, highly foody, serious, critical note. <laughs> I will see you. I will see you anon. I'll see you certainly in September, if not before. Okay. We couldn't help ourselves. Dave really is a darling, and alongside his lovely wife Jane, has been a great supporter of our food festivals, and for that, we love him. As Dave said, all of our chefs couldn't do what they do on the stage without the firm and fabulous support of a backstage home ec team. Anne heads it up with Rachel and Mel. Together they make sure that all of our chefs are prepared and ready to go on the stage and do what they do best, cook and entertain. I have got the gorgeous Anne Harnan um, in front of me on Zoom. <laughs> Looking resplendent and gorgeous you are. Um, so I want to introduce you to everybody. So Anne, you have been um, an integral part of the festival and I think probably for about nine years. Um, alongside the gorgeous Annabelle, uh, yeah. you've been running the back kitchen of the big cookery demonstration stage. And you and Annabelle did it together for many years. And now it's you, because Annabelle has, I... has retired. And, um, yeah. and you've carried on, thankfully, because we couldn't do it without you. And uh, you're such an important part of the event, because what we offer everybody who comes on the demonstration stages is, is full home ec support. And that is you. That is you. Um, so can you just give sort of a background, really, of what it is you do prior to the event and over the weekend? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I love Come to Tame Food Festival. Like you say, it's been, it's been many years now. It's, it's such a fantastic foodie event. And, uh, you know, the team behind it is great. So um, what happens is uh, the food festival, the, the food kitchen is, um, you know, you curate all the program which is lovely with all the demonstrators and then you come through to us with the program and a timetable and then the chefs start sending their recipes through and one of the things that's so great about tame that you don't get at the other festivals is that um you take a quick look over the recipes and sort of curate the show really so that you don't end up with you know lots of people doing the same thing so the day is fully varied with um, different acts and you don't get lots of people doing lobster or everyone doing something with asparagus um, so a quick vet of the recipes and then they come round to me and I look through them and the first thing I do is I break them down into 
okay, how are these going to work on the demonstration stage? So you can see straight away if the recipe is going to be 20 minutes, if it's going to be half an hour, or in the case of some people, you know, they've chosen really complicated recipes that might actually take a couple of hours. And so there's going to need to be a bit of prep beforehand. A bit of here's one I made earlier, and that's where I come in. So um, we'll have a chat with the chefs, work out what they particularly want to show on the stage, um, and maybe even give them you know, some little pointers saying, actually, this is a really interesting point. The audience will love seeing you do that technique or this technique. So make sure you do that. And we can do the boring stuff, you know, the the bits where the, uh, you know, the paint dries as it is, things that are setting and, and that sort of stuff. And um, as you mentioned, having that home ec team behind the kitchen means that you get some great recipes as part of the, the tame cookery stage. Um, so, for example, I can think of Jürgen this year. He did a fantastic uh, stick, a bean, bee sting cake that honestly took several hours to prepare. It was a lovely yeasted dough. It had a beautiful um, custard and a lovely uh, caramel topping. But he, he couldn't have done all of that in his half an hour demonstration time. So we break it down and we do his his things, you know, here's one I made earlier for him. Um, and then <laughs> there's a massive shop. There's a massive shop for it because we like to make sure that once we actually get to the field uh, in the tent, there's gonna be no last minute hiccups. So we sort of buy enough for about three or four times over uh, in case there's any, um, you know, things that we do need to redo or perhaps when the chef comes, they want things differently. And so the shopping list, I'm not kidding, Lottie. I mean, I know I speak to you before <laughs> about the budget. It can be pages long, you know, five or six pages long. And luckily I have some really great suppliers who can, you know, source me fantastic meats or um, fish. Um, and uh, then it all gets loaded into the car and it all comes to the field. And your guys, the lovely chefs on stage guys, build... Um, the most fantastic kitchen uh, behind the scenes and we have um, everything unloaded into there and then actually on show day again you know it's about all hands on deck really so we have great washers uppers who just stand and wash up the entire day <laughs> and we have you know people running in and out and then I work very much with Simon or the compare on the front of the stage so he's keeping everything to time on the front of house and I'm keeping everything to behind behind the scenes sort of making sure it's all to time it's an it's an enormous task and you know when you say kitchen I mean you're being really generous there this is we're basically <laughs> in a field and you're the back of a tent and you have things brought in I mean now we give you an oven behind now we haven't had that before have we I mean in the last couple of years you've got an extra oven um but it's all behind there you you really don't have a lot of room and there's a lot of people as well walking in and out all the time and asking you questions and I know at one point this year everyone's walking through the kitchen because there was an exit of the tent and I was guilty of that and I suddenly thought we've got to do that tent up because people are just walking past all the time and it's going to you know drive you insane um but I, I have to impress upon you how important you are because I don't think I say it enough I mean you know I appreciate you hugely and I you know I know we, we could do it without you but you know it what you do is enormous, is absolutely gigantic, because we have, you know, there has been a time when you've only had 15 minutes between demonstrations. 
and you have looked a little bit. We love those. We love those. Oh, you so don't. Oh, you so don't. <laughs> really? Only 15 minutes? I need half an hour, Lottie. So, you know, when we've had to cram somebody in, it's happened. But um, I do know, you know, I what I love about you and about um, everybody that works with you and about Simon is the fact I don't have to worry about you. You're my team A. Everything else I can worry about in the food festival, but I know that the stage, all the chefs, including Lizzie, who, Doddy, who does all... Um, in the green room looks after people I just know I don't have to worry and that's the biggest biggest most important thing for any event organizers you just know people are fantastic at what they do you don't have to worry about it and that's why you know we love you so much and appreciate everything oh, you do oh that's very to say I mean as a home economist my job really is to make the problem solve and uh you know be as practical as possible. So often we turn up at situations and I just always over-prepare because there's always that situation where you're in a strange kitchen and you haven't got a hand whisk or, you know, you sort of think, oh, I can't work with these knives. I wish I'd bought my own knives. You know, so there's always a situation where you just try to be over-prepared for it, even right down to, um, you know, the chefs and the presenters arriving because it's my part of my job, I think, to make the presenters and contributors feel at ease so that they can go on stage and do the best uh, show that they can. Because I know when I've sort of done front of house demonstrations as well, that actually if your head is full of a zillion things and you've rushed in and you've been 10 minutes late and you can't, can't find what you need, there's no way that you can give a really good performance to the audience unless you're 100% focused on what you're doing. So, you know, one of the things that we do is basically take all of that stress off the demonstrators. And I think, um, and I'm sure that the other guys that you've got on the podcast, that people that do come and talk on the stage is actually, they love to come. They love to come because they're well looked after and they're treated well. And it's a big, happy, friendly family. Everyone knows each other behind the scenes and it just works. Everybody has worked together for um, so many years now that even as the show has changed and evolved. Everyone has just evolved with it. So um, everyone is very happy to, you know, make allowances for other people and to, to help out and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, one big happy family, I think. <laughs> I think so. I totally agree with you. I was just thinking back to uh, COVID, so 2021, because we obviously didn't do 2020 because of COVID, but we did pull something together at Bradford and Avon that year and Tame, but in Bradford in July. And uh, we had the demonstration stage, but everyone was being pinged. Do you remember? And I started, I ended up doing, we were talking about you doing front house, because I know you've done those demonstrations um, at Tame Food Festival, but I was just having to go up on stage all the time because all our chefs were being pinged and they couldn't turn up. Um, and uh, you and yeah. Annabelle decided that we were going to do ready steady cook and scupper me and the things that I had do you remember you gave me all these different ingredients like Lottie cooked something that was fun fantastic <laughs> I think we got, um, so we had like a brown paper bag didn't we and Annabelle who I used to work with used to work on ready steady cook she did that's so, how I met her that's how I met her yes yeah so and we put lots of silly things in there did we and it was from producers stalls around the festival wasn't it so there was things like um was it a chocolate-flavoured stout and, um, I don't know, some lovely cheeses and things like that? I can't even remember what you made. What did you make? I have no you idea. Think? I can't remember. It's all a haze. I think I made something with flatbreads at one stage. Um, and oh, I made a pudding. Did you do a chicken shawarma? Oh, I think I might some... have done. 
Yeah. yeah, I think I might have done something like that. And I was thinking about, we've we've set up chefs in the past over the years. Do you remember we set up the uh, Le Manoir boys? Who were, yes. we really, we put licorice in and dairily cheese and everything in their bags. I remember that was quite funny. Because yeah. they didn't take that very well. Because they're think... such such sort of um, straight chefs. They were like, I can't do anything. What are you giving me dairily for? I have a reputation. <laughs> yeah. I think probably one of the funniest ones was the one we did most recently. Tristan Welsh and oh, um and June Tanaka. Oh, because and do you know what was so funny? Well it wasn't funny. In hindsight it was funny. Is the complete mess they made of the stage. That <laughs> uh like ready steady cook, you put a time limit on it as well. And we were having to fish equipment out of the bin because they had flung everything around. So we had to get parts of the food presser out of the waste <gasps> bin at the end. I didn't know. Oh, no, you see. And at the end. <laughs> that's and how professional. Just... Sorry, says, um, I just interrupted you. Sorry, I was going to say, that's how professional you are is because you didn't tell me any of that. <laughs> I didn't need to know. I was on no, stage it, too and I didn't see it. Yeah, because, you know, from the audience's point of view, it's about putting on a great show or teaching them something new. And they've come to see the presenters, haven't they? And they've come to be entertained, so that's what it's all about. But on the other side of things, you actually are an event organiser too. So you're yes. part of the team for Taste Bedford, which is another mm -hmm. fantastic food festival, not far from Tame. Um, so do you want to tell me a little bit about what you do with that? Yes, well, that was sort of born around 2017, actually. And I was doing a bit of work just in a little neighbourhood bistro, and I was coming across these small producers in the area that were making really lovely stuff you know sheep milk cheeses and um, lots of really you know artisan products and they weren't well they didn't have the energy or the time or the means to go out and promote themselves and um, so I thought well hang on you know we need a little food festival in the town um, and so started that off bit of an uphill struggle as you'll know it's like pushing water uphill sometimes um, and then, and it grew, and it was a fantastic festival. It was a lovely free day out, and it was great. And then COVID hit, and like everybody in festival and eventing, you know, you just had to stop. You just had to stop. And then when we came back, um, I think what people don't appreciate is how long it takes behind the scenes to organise these things. So as we were coming out of COVID, it was very hard to plan for the next year, because you might start in September, of the year before for the summer um you know for the following summer and so without knowing uh what was happening it was very hard to have all that lead time to do the planning so um the best thing that we could do coming out of covid was to do more collaborations really so since covid we have um, had sort of food markets and food festivals as part of a local running festival the bedford run fest and then last year we paired with uh bedford gin fest um Again, just keeping overheads down, um, trying to make it as accessible as possible. I, I mean, you'll know, everybody in the world wanted a marquee last summer. Um, and prices, <laughs> prices went up accordingly. And, you know, it's just there, there's not a lot of margin in eventing because there's a lot that you have to pay for that people don't see. You know, your insurance, your first aid, your, you know, ambulance on site, security to actually make sure it's a safe event. Um, all your fencing, all your waste you know, road. Yes, exactly. And so much of it operates on the goodwill of other people. I mean, you have a fantastic foodie force, don't you, at Tame? Um, and it's one of the things I just 
you know, I can't abide having to keep asking people to do stuff for free, but they do and they'll turn out and they'll put over and above um, into actually making it work. And you just couldn't operate without without those people. No, absolutely. I mean, they're so important. Yeah, we're right. We have a fantastic volunteer foodie force in Tame, which is mm. it's just great. They're so lovely and they work so hard over the weekend. Um, but you're right about all the hidden costs people don't realise. Um, I'm always impressing upon pe- people because some, some visitors are just absolutely happy to pay because we're obviously gated, our, both our festivals, they're not free to enter. We offer lots of free things once you're in. But I so explain to people that it costs thousands and thousands and thousands. I mean, over 100000 to put on Tame Food Festival. That yeah. money's got I to mean, come t- from somewhere. Do people know how much one of those little stinky portaloos cost? Yes. <laughs> They're almost £100 each now. Yeah. And, you know, you have loads of them. And, you know, and then the fencing, waste. I mean, waste is one of the biggest, it's the most expense of the whole event, taking away rubbish. And having people yeah. there litter picking and all of that, that costs, it costs thousands and thousands of pounds. And that's got to come from somewhere. And uh, so it ha- and it, you don't get enough from just some storeholders because you don't want to put no. the pitch fee too high because you know that artisan food producers are working on very thin margins too. Uh, street food, you can charge a little bit more because they make more money and they're charging more and they think their turnover is quite fast. So that's slightly different. But, you know, there is only a cer- there's only certain areas you get income from and sponsorship, which isn't as easy to come by as it has been yeah. in the past. So, you know, yeah. it's it's a tough old it's a tough old time out there um we're gonna carry on because i think people want to come out and have a great time and and i think the same with you with what you do you know it's it's highlighting all those amazing producers that you come across as well yeah well, what i've found as well over the last few years is actually since we've started the the town has changed bedford has changed and people are so more interested in artisan producers and of course that's maybe a little bit off the back of covid as well everyone was very interested in buying independent and so actually I see now there is less of a need for my food festival because we have got other markets which have started in the town. There's a lot more independents that have started and they're stocking all of these little producers. So I sort of feel it may be time to hand on the baton. Um, Going forward, I'm looking to evolve a little bit and maybe do more, more collaborative work. And I'm still very involved in the town just, you know, talking to producers. I mean, you know that when I'm just nosy, basically i'm nosy so if i meet people who are producing a lovely cheese or something i can't help but ask them how they started and you know what's the background and they're always keen to talk about it um and that's what i love you know working in food you just never stop learning you never stop learning because you're always if you meet somebody else who's got passion in something um then you know their in-depth knowledge is just amazing um and even down to, you know, making other people's recipes for them, you, you're always learning. I had, um, I did a, a, a chocolate book and there was a contributor who was the pastry chef in the White House, you know. And so I was cooking her recipe and sort of thinking, oh, this is great, you know, and learning a new technique there. Um, so, yeah, it's all good. And that's what's so amazing about Home Economists, I find, is that you have such a broad knowledge, much broader than mine, because you have to go in and be able to cook any recipe that's given to you. So that knowledge is huge. You know, you know, to actually come in and do that, I think, is 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 massive. Um, especially... I have to be honest, sometimes there's an element of winging it. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? Well, because, well actually... I can imagine what this might be like. I've never made it before, 
um, but using, you know, as you say, using your background knowledge, you think, well, it looks like it should be like this. I think that's right. Is there a photo? Does it look like the photo? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That's just wonderful. Very quickly, before we go, and this is what I like to ask people when I remember, um, being a menopausal woman, you don't always remember things, actually. Oh, but brain fog. Yes. <laughs> brain fog. But I, I, I want to know what your 50 shades of food is. Okay, so this is something a little bit filthy that you like to eat on your own. You know, draw down the blind. Oh, know, I love Put this on the question. telly, put your feet yeah. up. Something might be a bit I messy, a bit... Because, yes, because so often people say, what's your favourite food? Which is an impossible question to answer. I don't eat one thing and only ever enjoy eating one thing. Right, okay, What? so let me think. It's probably going to be something with mayonnaise on it. Because yes. I love mayonnaise. Um, I haven't had this for ages, but I've got very fond memories of having baked beans on toast with like thick, creamy mayonnaise and then cheese on top. But that 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 might have been a guilty pleasure. Your tastes do change, don't they? Um, but that's quite so messy, isn't it? I mean, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. It's like ripping it apart. And you've got beans and mayonnaise dribbling down your chin yeah. as you bury your face in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do know chefs who go home and eat pot noodles because I've asked them similar questions. They'll go, oh, I'll have a pot noodle. Mm. I had a pot noodle the other day to educate my son who wanted to have what other kids were having in their lunchbox. Um, and I couldn't believe how vile it was. Very salty. Very salty, yeah. yes. Very salty. Yeah, yeah. They are. I mean, they, they can be a guilty pleasure. They're, there's actually quite nice ones now by Itsu. Itsu do these little pots, and they're, mm. they've they got slightly better ingredients in them. But, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on, on babies. I, I've asked various people. Somebody said, you know, I'd like... I, I asked this question, actually, to Monty Don once when I was interviewing him, and he oh. said, the juiciest of pears that I have to sit naked in the bath and eat. Oh, And I thought, nice. actually, yeah, I can go with that one. Yeah. You know, when you get yeah, a, ju yeah. or a juicy peach... Or a sweet corn. When you pluck a sweet corn from oh. the plant, you boil it, you cover it in butter, and you eat it, and the sweetness and the salty and the greasy butterness. And oh, I make noises that, well, you know, I could get a probably get a job on one of those dodgy <laughs> telephone lines. Yes, 50 shades of food. That's a great question. Fifty Shades that. of Food. So yours is yours is the baked beans. That might be my Christmas dinner round the table chat question, you know? <laughs> yeah 50 shades of food filth that's what we love it's so lovely to speak to you you're a darling yes thank you for having me i've loved this it. been fun yeah and thank you so much again for everything you do because we could not do it without you oh it's a pleasure we love working at tame <laughs> i'll see you soon take care thanks obviously bye becky xl joined us at tame food festival last year she has a huge following and her gluten-free cooking is delicious i caught up with her in the green room Oh, Becky, it's so nice to see you. Lovely to see you too. Thanks for having me to, at TAME. Yeah, it's been, let me think now, almost a year since I first met you at yes. the Babes Good Food Show when you were on the stage with me. Yeah, I was, I was quite a beginner of food festivals back then. I hadn't really done that many and I was quite nervous. So I've done so many over this summer that um, I'm becoming a bit of an old hand at them now and I love them. <laughs> I'm absolutely loving them. Yeah, they're fun, aren't they? They really are. They're just, I don't know, it's just so nice to meet so many different sort of people and you know you get to people come up to me and they haven't met me before and they've never like heard of me and then there's other people who you know have and it's just it's just a really nice environment doing doing cooking demos at them so and also just everything else like the whole the whole sort of environment it just feels like a really happy 
nice place and I just want to go now and try everything and eat lots of food. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I won't keep you because I know you've just done your demonstration. Yes. You had a full house, loads of book signings. Yes. And um, so you now have to go and eat your way around and buy lots of food. And, oh, and I'm going to. Uh, and there's a, there's a dog show. Which there is. There's I, a dog show. You know, I couldn't bring my dog today, so I've just been like staring at all the other dogs, Aww. and they're so they're so cute yeah there's a fun dog show it's hearing dogs for deaf people we give them the space and they raise money for the for the charity and it's so lovely and the dogs just love it and we're very dog friendly so it's just great fun and there's big kids here here as well and oh we have so much going on yeah what's really nice i think for people with you is because you do so much online you know with instagram and and tiktok you do as well i do yeah yeah um that people can actually meet you in person and i think you know they see you all the time and to actually be able to come and meet the person well I, I think that's the thing I think people because I do so much on social media and I sort of do a lot of stories and sort of show my day-to-day life people come up to me and just like hi Becky and it's like they they feel like they know me which is really nice so when they actually do get to speak to me we can just chat like we're friends and I think I think that's really special about and why food festivals are like super important you know what I mean because it's that opportunity to do that because without them you're not going to just sort of meet randomly and like it means that I can travel country and it's it's just a a nice opportunity to for well it's, it's crazy for people to say thank you to me but which I, I'm really honoured you know I can't believe people say you know you've changed my life and that, oh, that's, that's so nice it's, it's crazy and you know I almost just don't know what to say back it makes me quite like emotional do you know what I mean but um yeah no it's 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 been really just really really lovely and I've been watching your films recently because you've been doing the um, which is so relevant at the moment. Was mm. it a twenty-five pounds? Yeah, spend? Five, five meals for twenty-five pounds. That's right. It's which, fantastic. Yeah. Well, I feel like for everyone, like obviously, cost of living has been going up. So I just wanted to make stuff that was really relevant and really helpful, and just prove that it's possible. Because I think we all sort of, you know, just think, oh, you hear these sort of gimmicky kind of things, and you think it isn't, it isn't possible, surely. But if you use the right ingredients and stuff and you know what shops to go to, you really can. And you can do that even when you're gluten-free. Because I think people would think, oh, gluten-free is so expensive when it doesn't have to be. And I try to always make my recipes also not just suitable for gluten-free people, but suitable for everyone. So it's not like, oh, the gluten-free person has to have something different. We can all eat the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and fun. You make them fun to yeah, watch as well. That's, that's what I want. I want yeah. it suitable not just for like people my age, but people who are much older than me. And also I have tons and tons of kids that follow me and their parents follow me and like you know I, I have little yesterday I met a, a young like six-year-old who follows me and she was she was like really happy and she came and gave me a big hug and you know it, it's just it's Aww. so it's so sweet to have this sort of variety of different people who who sort of can use my recipes and use all my Instagram series and stuff and it can actually just help them and that's all I really want to do. Do you know it's a full-time job doing Instagram isn't oh, it? Oh don't. <laughs> I just I was you know we John and I did during lockdown John and I to stop ourselves being functioning alcoholics which we pretty much were <laughs> to be honest like those people we just started to do little videos in the day yeah, so yeah. and in those you know when people had a lot of time in lockdown we were doing 15 minute ones and people were actually watching them to the yeah. end now it's like gone back to 30 seconds if you're lucky <laughs> but um yeah no and we you know I was doing and I was thinking oh my goodness me this is this took up a lot of time and I didn't have a lot more to do in lockdown but with everything else that goes on in life you know how do you find it's, time I, I don't it's, it's <laughs> literally like I don't find time for anything else so I feel like I work seven days a week mm. and I'm working probably from about eight in the morning to 11 at night every single day because I feel like with my social media I've I've kind of built up such a community and stuff that I 
like people ask me questions all the time and they want well i i kind of want to always respond to them i don't want to have someone else doing it for me because i want them to hear it from yeah, me and i, I want, that's I want that, that personal sort of touch yeah so yeah it's uh i don't know how i do it is the answer it's, it's just really <laughs> blooming exhausting and uh i guess I wouldn't change it for the world, but I just wish there was more hours in a day. Yeah, well, exactly. I think we all want that. Yes, I think we're some, well, sometimes you say, with building food festivals, people don't realise, I don't think, how much work's involved. They just suddenly appear and the yeah. visitors come and it's all great. But there are so many different elements to the whole thing, you know food producers and storeholders it's just one part of it and then yeah. they've got all the guy all the crews that come in that build well, it logistics are just outrageous i know yeah. and john's john's a logistic guy you yeah. know he does all of that i have no <laughs> time you know i'll get here and i'm very visual very, very visual so i'll say no can you just move that tent a little bit like that or yeah. like this and, and they're all looking at me going really lofty i said yeah just just a smidge because then i can see that other one behind it you know so for me it's that's all... important though you, it you, is. Ba- you basically need all of you to work together because everyone has different skills and different like mm. you know you might not be able to do this but that is blooming important that people can see this and see that and yeah. it just makes sense so yeah, it's all very it's very important but also you know what makes it as well as people like you coming along as well oh, and it's another element and people love to come and see you and it's great to see you cook and what did you cook today by the way i Bake. made uh, i made gluten-free pizza oh, yum. so i basically just thought i want to make something easy because i don't want it to go wrong um <laughs> and also something that people will really want to make at home mm. and I, I think that's what everyone tends to do although to be honest I, I just love I love watching all the cooking demos and seeing that everyone's so different like you have such a varied lineup here yeah of people coming from all different things like I'm just very much a I've got no no sort of training or anything and then Eddie was on after me and he's like one master chef and then you've got, <laughs> you've got all these people and it's just amazing mm. how mm. there's this it sort is. of collection yeah and you know people could just sit there all day but there's so much else to see but you really could just to watch all the demos so yeah. we had Giuseppe yesterday I know I heard oh he I'm, was I'm, so charming I'm gutted that I wasn't here yesterday because oh, the, the lineup man. yesterday was was really really good wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was fantastic, and he was very very charming. Um, well, it's, all, it's all quite new to, be... to him really because mm. he's only just been. Well, he, he yeah. won uh, Bake Off what last year? Last year. Yeah. So it's all a it's all a new thing. But he seems like he just has fit into this whole world so well. So. He does. He's he's really and he's given up his job now as well. Oh, so he? yes, he's he's going to give it a go. So he's written a book and um, and he was telling me all about that. And he said, you know, it's it's. It was the risk, but he's going to embrace it. And I think when you're given an opportunity like that, you just do yeah, have to, don't you? I mean, you? I took a risk. I, I quit my job to do all of this full time. And it is, it's a massive risk and it's scary. And, you know, you take a massive pay cut and you basically are earning nothing. But then you just have to think, well, if I don't put it my all into it, it's never going to go anywhere. And you'll always think, what if? Yeah, and I'm not yeah. one of those people. It's, it's just not worth it, is it? No, it's not worth it. I'm just looking at your nails. They're gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I got distracted by them. They're just <laughs> beautiful. There's butterflies on there. and Are uh, they smiley faces? or? No, they, that's like leopard print. Oh, stuff. leopard print. Yeah, yes, it is. It's leopard, it's leopard print. It's, and there's a heart there. Yeah, it's... Uh, They're gorgeous. I don't do them myself. Because <laughs> I, I, I just... I can't... If, when I used to paint my nails, I just paint all over the... Yeah, the, the cuticle. Yeah, so yeah no, I'm the same. Anyway, my darling. Well, listen, I'll let you go round now. Yes, thank go and you. Make your way. Yeah, I'm quite go peckish, and really. Yes, I want, I want food and I want dogs. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you go off and do that, and I will see you again very soon. Yes, well, thank, thank you, you so much for having me. Oh, it's lovely to see you. Yeah. Now, if you enjoy a tipple, then topple over to the Bucks Brothers Gin and taste their delicious spirit. My particular favourite is the pomegranate and slow gin, which I can lay testament to is blooming wonderful with a glug or two of sparkling wine or champagne. 
Listen, you know, I just wanted to chat with you really about Bucks Brothers. Your, yeah, okay. Your gin company, you and your brothers have... Um, Me and my brothers, yeah. Your mother must have loved you and that's what you... Earlier I said that to you, God, three boys and your mother's... Yeah, said, I mean, still give her plenty of trouble now, I think. <laughs> it was my uh, 30th last weekend and we had, a, we had a big fancy dress party and we were all... You know, having a good time there. So she still, she still give us a give her plenty of trouble now, actually. But yeah, we're we're local to Tame. We're about 25 minutes away in a village called Little Hallwood in Buckinghamshire. Um, it's us three brothers. We run the company. We started the company. Everything's done in house. Um, all the production's done in Little Hallwood as well. Uh, yeah, we just get out to as much local stuff as we can. 70 stockists we've got locally, and we've sold uh, over eight and a half thousand bottles now. Um, and we started the company out of lockdown because we were basically we set our own half Ironman triathlon up to raise money for COVID in the NHS. We were drinking gin in the evenings um, after long cycle rides and whatnot. Started doing a bit of moonshining um, in Jake's garage, and then it's just led on from there, really. And so then, and you all kind of got together and thought, well, let's call it Bucks Brothers because we're all bros. Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. And we're from Bucks, yeah. We're Bucks born and bred, and it's just gone from there, yeah. But I think it's great. I think it's a great name. And actually, I have to say, I came over earlier and I had some of your pomegranate and slow, um, which we bought a bottle of. Yeah. It was Thank absolutely you. delicious. And I, do I, I don't know if I've told you, I judge for Great Taste Awards. No. Yeah. No, so no, I no. do a lot of judging. I judge about 2,000 products a year. Oh, amazing. And um, I had, didn't do the gin this year. Sometimes I do, but I'm not. I'm such rubbish at drinking. But if really? I, I would be smashed after all over the place. Three, yeah. yeah. So I've always kind of avoided doing it. But I do love flavour, and I, I nuances of flavour. And I, I think the way you balance the pomegranate and the slow, it's fabulous because you've Thank got you. that dryness, you've got the fruitiness, but it's not overly sweet. No, it isn't. No, mm. no, it isn't. We're um, we're really proud of that. The pomegranate and slow, and it's there's plenty of slow gins out there, but pomegranate and slow's a little bit more exotic. And um, we've never seen one, another one really. We didn't see one before. That's why we went to and decided to develop that flavour, and we haven't seen one since. Yeah, well, I think uh, and it's, it's probably our best seller, to be honest, as well. And the navy, the navy strength, where I nearly fell over. That yeah. was it was smooth. Yes, it's yeah, smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifty-eight percent it is, but it makes. Um, fantastic cocktails and brilliant gin and tonics, and it goes lovely with a ginger beer as well. Yeah, wonderful. And you've got the citron, um, the citronella one. No, citronella. <laughs> gin limon, gin limon. Gin limon, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like limoncello y type. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a full strength 40% gin, but it's got uh, an abundance of citrusy lemon botanicals. It goes great with a San Pellegrino or a normal um, tonic as well. Uh, that one's really popular, great at summer, great throughout the summer. Um, yeah. It's a great, great gin, that one is. Wonderful. Really, really popular. Well, I think, have you had a nice show? You enjoyed yeah, it? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it's only up the road as well, so we get to go home in the evening, yeah, which is nice. Oh, that's a real, real bonus, isn't it? Yeah, go home you. to our mum and dad's for dinner now, so all good. <laughs> Free bit of food, yeah. Happy you days. You boys, you never grow that's up, it. do you? Go back yeah. to your mum's for dinner. Wonderful. Well, thank you so Brilliant. much, and um, hopefully see you again next year. Brilliant. Awesome. Thank you so much for having all us. Right. Cheers. Well, that's it for another episode. Another glorious collection of knowledge, expertise and loveliness. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Don't forget to tell your friends and share, 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 please. In the next episode, I will be chatting to the marvellous man that is Janus Domigala. Semi-finalist on last year's Great British Bake Off, he is adorable, as is his sausage dog, Nigel. 
I'll be chatting filming with Groucho, who produces and edits our festival films, talking treasure trove gorgeousness with Vicky Usher from the Humble Country Shopping Marquee, and learning more about one of my favourite foods, honey, from Sarah Wyndham Lewis, honey sommelier extraordinaire. See you then. you like listening to our podcast we just love producing it if you think you know someone that would enjoy listening to it too please share and pass on please like and follow us on the platform you listen with we are on instagram truly scrumptious podcast and of course there are our festivals where this podcast stems from bradford on avon food and drink festival and tame food festival website links are on our profile but just google them and you'll find us and buy tickets to visit thanks again for listening